Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Um, tonight it is just Jonas. Unfortunately, Thomas is out on domestic duties. Um, so the fancy slides that Thomas kindly prepares for us are not going to be here tonight. Um, so we're going to use our trusty friend at Fan Footy. Um, and yeah, we're just going to get straight into it. So um, just let me pull up Fan Footy. So the first player I want to ask you about, Jonas, is uh, Travis Spoke. So he's got 149 on the weekend. Um, obviously, has shown at least in the first, you know, eight rounds that he's looking like being a top eight midfielder. What do you think about him um, for the rest of the year going forward? Going forward, I probably think he's a pass, given he's almost 590 oh, At that sort of price, I think you want to be picking players you know aren't going to fall away in average. And we saw last year a bit of regression in both scoring. Whilst he's been great and he's a superstar of the game, at his age, I'd rather be picking someone who's maybe four or five years younger, who's entering their prime rather than leaving it. So... For me, he's a pass, but good job if you started him. Yeah, I think I'm sort of the same here. And uh, speaking of Port Adelaide, what on earth is going on with Zach Butters? Um, this guy um, touted the year as being a top, you know, top six, top eight forward, and he's just fallen in a heap. I think his mate Sam Pal Pepper has literally destroyed him for everyone. Um, so, what do you think about? Butters going forward and perhaps are you looking to actually trade him, which I know some players have actually done that. I think he's number three most traded out player so far this week. Um, what are you doing with Butters? I can't blame the players who are trading him out because he's scoring the past six or so weeks has been nothing Horrendous. short. Horrendous. Pathetic, yeah. Um, Horrendous. Sam, the only thing that's keeping me interested in the pick at the moment is the fact that he plays North Melbourne this week. So I want to give him ideally one more chance. And if he doesn't score well, it's a good sign that he's not going to be a, a premium moving forward this year. So he's one where you can trade him out if if it facilitates a nice upgrade. But I want to give him one last chance because he does have that high ceiling and can potentially be top six four, but I'm not too sure. What are your thoughts on Butters? Um, I think he's a luxury to get rid of at this stage. Um, I think if you've got six finished forwards, I think you can get rid of him. But I think while you've still got rookies on the field, I think he's just going to have to be on the back burn. I think he's in a bit of a Whitfield position for me um, where I want to get rid of him, but I've just got other priorities. Would you be um, but trading him? Would you be trading him ahead of say a a Canelio or some some of the other rookies on our fields like a Nick Martin or something? Because at the moment they're scoring arguably more consistent and better than Butters. So would you be more confident fielding a Nick Martin or a Zach Butters moving forward? Well, I think at this stage you'd have to say Nick Martin, which is unbelievable given the fact he wasn't on the list in January and now he's just about being Essendon's best player this season in what's been a sort of really bad start for Essendon but yeah I mean these Cornelios, Brodies um, and Martins they're all scoring you know 70s 80s pretty much every week now whereas 
Zach Butters is lucky to get 70 most weeks. So, yeah, I think I think he's probably someone who you're just going to have to keep. But he, he's definitely been frustrating. I feel like he's a bit like what Isaac Heaney used to be like, um, where Heaney sometimes used to do this, where he'd be made out as a breakout player and then he'd just do this. So um, it's frustrating, definitely frustrating. Um, going over the other side now, so um, Jack McRae, um 144 points. I don't know how he got 144 points because I think he was on about 70 off eight disposals at one stage, which was bizarre. Um, do you just have to get Jack McRae given his scoring potential? Uh, I, I think with the amount of good mids that have fallen in price with Petrarca, Brayshaw, even Took Mills at a, at a lucrative price, I think you can wait on McRae if you don't have him. His break even is still going to be pretty high this week. And I think he's one I'd probably target after the buy, given the fact that there's so many other good trading targets at the moment. And if you're bringing him in at, I think he's 640k. Yeah, 630. Yeah, you're you're going to be occupying a lot of bank to get him in, which could hinder your ability to bring in some other players. And it could also mean that you're trading in 102k speculative rookie over a 123k rookie who has a bit more job security so i think you can certainly wait on mccray those poor scores are still in his break even cycle so he's not going to rocket out of reach for the next at least week to two weeks so i'd be waiting yeah his break even's 135 so i think even like a 150 score he's only going to probably go up four or five k yeah um so yeah i think Probably wait on McRae one more week. Um, what about Robbie McComb, who was on the bubble last week at 102,000? He scored 73 super coach points off 16 disposals. Um, did you pick him up? And I guess well done to those of us who picked him up because I think he's probably got a spot now in that dog side given the fact that they've lost some players. Yeah, exactly. He's been a good pickup partly because of the fact that some. Bulldogs players like Waitman and O'Brien, Vandermeer, Dunkley, I mean, not Dunkley, Bontepelli, also under an injury cloud. So he should have some decent job security in the short run. I didn't pick him because I was a bit uncertain on his role in terms of whether he can get consistent games, given the fact that the Bulldogs are a pretty strong outfit and his disposal efficiency was pretty ordinary, but he did well. I, I went the route with Carroll, who I think should hold again. So I'm not too disappointed. But, yeah, if I had my time again, I would have liked to have saved the 20K. But I think Carroll passed the eye test a lot more than McComb. And even though I went early on him, I think he's going to hold his spot. So I'm not too fast. Yeah, I think so too. So we'll move on to the other game. So... Um, Sean Darcy, um, who scored 178 points. Um, actually, Goldstein got 142, so it was a bit of a rough fiesta over there. But um, what, what do we think about Sean Darcy? Obviously, very injury-prone, but when he plays, he just seems to always score. Um, I think I had a look on, on here. I think he's actually a, like a top three player for points per minute this season. I'm on yeah. super coach. Yeah, in fact, he's second behind only Darcy McFerdin's ahead of him. So when he plays, he scores. Um, 
if say a Gorn or someone goes down, are you going to lean towards? Would you lean towards him, or would you be more inclined to go for someone a bit safer? I think if you don't have Gorn or Wits, he's a very good option because you you need a bit of cover. You don't want to be fielding Hayes, and if you're going for Gorn, who's a bit under an injury cloud. I'd be a bit hesitant and spectacle. But I think with Darcy, he's had a few niggles. And sure, that's going to be a risk. But his scoring power is so huge that he just needs to score 130 for the next five weeks or so, which he can easily do to be a successful trade-in. And with the 75 break-even, I think he's he's reclaimed that um, position in the rock. He was hovering at in the forward line in the earlier rounds, but he had a huge chunk of time in the rock line. And I think in two weeks he comes up against Darcy Cameron. So I want to be an owner of Sean Darcy when that happens. So I'm just going to jump on this week because he looks back to his old form. And he's one of those Rockmen where the Frio players actually trust him with ball in hand. You look at like Pitternet and some other Rockmen who get, like Sam Hayes, for instance, they get bypassed at all opportunity because they're not very reliable by foot. Whereas Darcy, he's a good kick, he's a good mark, and he's relatively mobile. So I'm pretty happy to to get him in and hopefully he doesn't get injured. If he does, at least you have the security of a Hayes at R3, for instance, in the short term. So I, I, I endorse the move. What about Andrew Brayshaw? Um, obviously, um, 134. Um, I guess we can talk about um, maybe Monday as well in this. So, and obviously the impact that Fife's going to have when he comes back in. So we'll, we'll probably mainly talk about Brayshaw, given that he's probably more super coach relevant. Um, but 134 points. Um, currently the number, I think he's number eighth ranked midfielder. Um, this year, uh, six actually, six ranked midfielder. Um, can he keep this up? Um, and what impact does Fife have on his scoring, if any at all? Um, I definitely think he can keep this up. He's been tagged a bit, but shown the ability to to pull a ninety score when that attention's come to him. So I'm not too afraid about that. And the fact that he's five hundred and seventy k, it's a pretty nice price point. You can wait another week on him, but I'm happy to bring him in this week because he's got a favourable buy. He's, as you said, the sixth-rated midfielder, and at 570k, that's a bit of a steal. So I think with Fife coming back, that might take some attention away from Brayshaw, which is obviously a benefit, and it's just going to help help the whole team in general. It might provide Brayshaw with an extra goal assist or an easier touch when Fife, for instance, phases it out to him. So I'm not too concerned about his um, scoring when when Fife returns. Your only real issue is his game time. It still seems to be lingering in the 70s. Ideally, that goes up a bit, but I think I think you're getting a pretty good deal if you're paying 570 for him because he's, he's relatively durable and he's got another year under his belt and looks to be scoring quite well. So, yeah. Well, I think as I think the case with him, as long as Sean Darcy stays 
Stadium outside. I think he's going to keep scoring because I think he's probably just about their number one, like pure midfield player. So I think the Ruckman Darcy is probably going to try and look for him a lot. Um, so yeah, I think as long as Darcy can stay fit, I think Brayshaw is going to be a good pick. What about what are you doing with uh, Nathan O'Driscoll, who's 61 on the weekend? Um, I think his break even now is about 55, I think, off the top of my head. Um, what are you considering doing with O'Driscoll, given he's made 172,000, uh, um, which is very good? But has his time come up in your side? Maybe. I'm still weighing that up because he has half-decent job security and the DPP. The 55 break-even is certainly achievable, but he seems to be falling away a bit. He needs a goal or two to to manage a 60-plus score, which doesn't fill me with a heap of optimism. Um, so it's definitely someone you can look to trade out, but he could also be a good player to hold during the buys because he should continue to get games in the short term. Yeah, I think so too. Um, obviously, I don't think there's anyone from North Melbourne um, yeah, worthwhile talking about. So we'll move on to Richmond v Collingwood. Um, now, I don't know about you, but I was actually at this game. So I saw Tom Lynch just tear yeah. Collingwood apart. Um, 184 super coach points, which I think backs up. I think last week he had like 155. Um. I think his break-even this week for someone who's at his price, so he's 491, his break-even's minus 64. Um, do you, would it be crazy to bring him into your sides this week? Yeah, it would be. You don't don't look at bringing in 500k full forwards. Oh, it's ludicrous. He's, he's going to pull a 60 or a 50 in the next few weeks and completely ruin your season, so no. Don't look at it. Yeah. And on the and, topic uh, of Richmond, um, one other forward who did impress me was Rioli Jr. Um, yes. What do you think about him? Is he a good trading target? Well, I had a look. So he had less disposals than Carroll. Um, so this is doing a bit of a comparison here. So he only had 14 disposals, but it's what he does with the ball that just makes him such a valuable pick. Like, um, he had, like, five five inside 50s. I think he had two direct goal assists, both to Tom Lynch. He had two chase-down tackles in the forward, in the, in the Richmond forward 50. Um, so, I mean, I think he's going to keep getting games in that Richmond side because I think they probably need someone like him at the feet of Lynch and Rewalt. And I think he provides a great deal of energy for them. So, um, yeah, I think I was really impressed by him. Um, obviously, it, it's a little bit concerning the 14 disposals. Um, but if he can keep scoring 72 off that, um, I think he's going to be a must-have. And also, the other thing I like about him, too, is he's got that midfield forward eligibility. Um, so if you bring him in into your sides in the midfield, um if you've got a forward line, say, full of midfield forwards like I do, um, you can always flick him into the forward line and then flick him back in the midfield later on. So I think there's a lot of upside, and I think his break-even this week's like minus 82 or something. So he's probably going to make 70K this week. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a good... I think he's a good buy. But what about um, Dustin Munn? Obviously... 
first game back since round one. Um, a little bit quiet, 83. Um, but he, he did get going in the last quarter. Um, would you possibly consider bringing him in at some stage later in the season, giving his scoring potential and the fact that he's he's probably going to have to sort of play like he did in that 2017 season when he pretty much was the best player throughout the season, just for Richmond to probably make the finals. Um, what, what do you think about Dustin Martin as a sort of a trading, maybe not now, but maybe sort of around his buy? What do you think about that? Uh, the back end of last year, actually ever since like round four of 2021, he's been a disappointing pick. So unless I'm seeing like 80, 70% mid-time and scores of 100 plus, I won't be going near him because he's prone to, to spending a lot of time up forward and then relying on moments of brilliance, which he does do. But, yeah, it's I don't see him being top six, so I wouldn't be going there. Yeah, and um, it's going to Collingwood. Um, so Jack Crisp and Scott Pendlebury, who are obviously midfielders, not midfielders, um, defender midfielders. Um, obviously, we'd probably be picking them in the back line given their defensive eligibility. Um, can you have both of these guys? Obviously, I think we've both got Jack Crisp, and I've been flatting out Scott Pendlebury now as a potential buying pretty much since he got that defensive eligibility. Um, what, what do you think about both of those two? I think Crisp is a safe, reliable option. He's He got flamed a bit at the start of the year, but he's restored at least some people's faith. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like Jack Crisp a lot more than Pendlebury as an option because he's a bit younger. He's got no problems with durability and he's getting a heap of mid, midfield time. So I think that's a big tick. As for Pendlebury, I don't hate the option either. It's just... I'm not too sure he's top six because Crisp is ahead of him. You've obviously got Stewart. You've got – who else is there? Um, Short. Short having a mind blank. Sicily, those four. Yep. Then and there Jack are a few Sinclair. others. Jack Sinclair, Doherty. Um, yeah. And so I don't think Pendlebury is even top ten, to be honest. So I think he's one who's – 550k ish. Yeah, just under. You can pretty much pick Jack Sinclair at the same price, who's got a slightly worse buy, but I'd be rather going that direction than Pendlebury because Pendlebury's getting a bit older. We could rest him towards the back end of the year for a week or two. So he's one where I wouldn't be playing around. There's so many good defense options. Pick a Sisley, a Doherty, a Dawson, whatever floats your boat um, because. They're going to be scoring similar, and at least with Sicily and Dawson, no injury concerns. You can maybe say that for Doherty as well, but I'm still a bit hesitant on Doherty given his lack of preseason. Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's scoring well. Yeah, it's been scoring well. Yeah, so Scott Pendlebury right now is currently number six in the back line. Yeah, um, which I don't know if that surprises you, but. Um, if you go off averages, he falls down to 11. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's probably your point there. Um, what about Nick Dacos? 
Um, have you still got him? And if so, what are you planning on doing him with him for the next sort of few weeks? I tried him last week actually to get in some of the players I picked, like Luke Parker. I think he's he's still a fine hold. I just got rid of him because he'd made me enough money and there were question marks with his um health. Business. Yeah. Um so I think he's one where you can ideally hold, but if it opens the door to get a premium you really like, like Brayshaw, for instance, then I'd have no hesitation trading him because he is basically 390k, and I don't see him really rising too much more. You might, if you wait a few more weeks, get a bit more money, but the main purpose in holding him would be solid scoring over the buyers. So see if that is your intention and if there's an other avenue say for instance getting rid of a driscoll you can still facilitate getting in a premium that you like i'd be going and trading a driscoll first but i wouldn't i wouldn't be too concerned if you're forced to trade dacos either because in the end you're getting a premium who will probably be outscoring him by 30 points each week anyway yeah i i think that's probably a good call i mean personally i've still got him and i think he's gonna probably be Someone who potentially I'll look at getting rid of around the Collingwood buy, which I think is round 14, I think, round 13 or 14. It's after the Queen's birthday anyway. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to the Sydney game, the Sydney Gold Coast game. Um, obviously a bit of an upset here with, um, with Gold Coast winning here. Um, I just want to touch on real quick about Luke Parker. So I think you jumped on him last week. He only got 89, um, which is, I guess, the knock on him in that he can be a bit up and down with his scoring. Um, are you sort of happy that you got Parker in, given that he's a bit of a yo-yo with his scoring? Um, and Or do you think you're... You or other people might be a bit concerned about that, or did you, or did you even get him in knowing that he might be a bit up and down with his scoring? Yeah. Uh, well, when I look at a player's score, like for instance Parker, I don't get too concerned given Sydney's top two players or scorers for the week were defenders, and Parker still was the fifth highest scorer for Sydney. Apparently, he rolled his ankle a bit, and Sydney were well held to a strong Gold Coast team. So I think I'm not too fussed. I still think he, he will be a top six forward, playing a fair chunk of mid, midfield time. And you look at Callum Mills, for example, who scored 60, and Heaney, who scored 75. So clearly players who share a similar sort of role to Parker were also well down. And if you yeah. just take a look back a few weeks ago with Brody and Brayshaw in the John game, they both scored pretty ordinary but that's just a product of how the game was played because the mids just didn't do as well so i think it's the same case here and i wouldn't be surprised if parker has a big bounce back game this week yeah and i think i think you've touched on what i was going to ask you about heaney and Callum mills i think they're in the same boat um yeah. if you don't own uh heaney or mills you can wait on their price drop but i still think if you want parker this is the week to get him Yep, I would go along with that. I think you can definitely wait on Mills. I think his break even this week's 214. So, uh, 201. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, he's going to probably plummet in price. And like, I think even a, a decent score, like even if he scores 129, um, his break even 
next week's going to be 193. So, um, yeah, I think there's probably weight on Mills now. Um, moving over to the Gold Coast Suns, um, what about Tuke Miller? Um, this guy just keeps getting the job done, another 122. Um, just so consistent with his scoring. Um, what if you were tossing up, say, between a Boke and a Brayshaw, um, which someone in this podcast might be, um, which way would you lean towards out of, say, a Miller and perhaps a Boke and, we'll say, Brayshaw? Which way would you lean towards? I'd have Brayshaw and Miller at the top, depending on your buy structure and um, if you have less premiums playing in round 14. Over round 13, I'd be picking Brayshaw. And if I'd be picking Miller if it's the other way around. Say you've got you're indifferent between the buys, I'd probably be picking Miller, but that extra 35k that you save on getting Brayshaw could be really helpful. But if you put them head to head, I think on total scores for the end of the year, I'd expect to see Miller one, Brayshaw two, both three. Yeah, um, I'd probably go along with that too. Um, what about Matt Rowe? Um, so 88 on the weekend. He's sort of actually come good for those of us who've kept him the last couple of weeks. Um, what are you, what are you thinking about doing with Rowe if you've still got him? Uh, I think he's shown now to be probably a low 90s average player from here on. And I think he's a pretty good on-field option. But as you can see to that dream team supercoach ratio, he only had 16 touches, 56 in dream, 58 in dream team. So it's one where he's a bit reliant on those contested possessions and that sort of scares me because if the game's not too heavily contested, he could pull out a 60. So he's one where I'd be looking to trade if you have the luxury to. Would I be trading him over a, a Butters? Probably not given the fact that Butters has been so poor recently. I'd be looking at trading a Butters and a Cornelio first and foremost, just given their roles and their form in the past month or so, you got to reward Rouse form and hold him. But say you don't have those issues or you're hell-bent on keeping Cogs and, and Butters, then, yeah, Rouse one that you can certainly look at moving on given the, the price he's at. He's made you a bit of money. So it's not the worst trade-out. What about Malcolm Rose's? Um, I just scored 18 on the weekend. I think this guy's burned. I think this guy's burned a lot of players. Um, he's only gone up 65k. His break even's already 50. Um, I'm so glad that I dodged his sport because I was that close to bringing him in and I decided against it. And I'm happy I waited because I think Maurice Rioli is probably going to pass him this week given how badly he's been scoring. Um, well, what do you, what do you, what would you do with Roses if you had him? Have you just got to keep him and hope that he comes good, or is he someone who you could look at, say, just conceding and bringing in a Rioli just to get money? Uh, he hasn't made enough money to trade out. If he if he's dropped, then he's a good loophole, and if he plays, then that's 
that's fine. He's doing a job for you. So I think he's one you just hold on to because with the rookies you're picking now, ideally you want them just to be playing over the buys. And Roses probably has the capacity to if he holds his spot this week and kicks a few goals. So I think, yeah, I wouldn't be trading him because he's under 200K and it's a bit of a waste of a trade. You're not making that much money. Yeah, I think so. Um, so moving on to the Giants and the Geelong game, one player I want to talk to you about is Isaac Cumming. Um, so um, scored 128 on the weekend, which was very, very impressive. Um, I think he's basically destroyed Lockie Whitfield off the half-back line. And he's currently the eighth-highest-ranked defender. Um, if we go off averages, obviously he's missed a game. Um, is this guy someone who can have top six merit later on in the year. Um, and if Whitfield comes good, can you have both coming and Whitfield in your side, in your back line? Yeah, I like coming. He gets a lot of uncontested ball and I think he had 25 kicks, four handballs. So he's one I brought in this week and he's certainly lived up to the expectation. The only issue with him is he has around 12 by, so... I don't have Doherty, which sort of allowed me to get coming in, but it was a bit of a risky play. So I think that's the main reason why he's not being spoken about very much. He shares the same bar as a lot of other defenders, so you've got to be really mindful of that. But I think he can keep this sort of scoring up, even when Whitfield was playing down back a bit in this game. He still seemed to be scoring all right, so that's not really too much of an issue. He had 30 Five touches, I want to say, last week and 29. So he gets plenty of the ball, which will mean he will score pretty well. Yeah, and the other thing I like about Isaac coming is he's in 0.7% of sides. So he is definitely a point of difference down in the back line if you're looking for someone down there. Um, I reckon he's probably the way to go, um, given that. Um, what about Lockie Whitfield? I just touched on him, but the last couple of weeks he's come good, sort of. Um, he's still not scoring 100s, uh, but he's in the 90s now, which is probably a big improvement on where he has been. Um, what would you do if you still had Lockie Whitfield? Because I did have a look at his scoring, and he has done this. He's gone two weeks in the 90s, and then he's back down to a 50 again. So is this just what we're going to expect from Lockie Whitfield, or do you think he's potentially maybe turned a corner and he can sort of get through to the buyers when we can perhaps reassess him? What do you think? I think his role has improved slightly. He was playing a bit more around the ball, and I saw him take a few kick-ins. So he's one where you hold for now. He's got the capacity of maybe going 90-plus for the rest of the year. And I think that at his price that he is now, that's a pretty okay deal. So he's one where I'd be keeping for now. He's got the history, the runs on the board. He doesn't look too injury hampered at the moment. So he's still covering a lot of ground, playing decent minutes on the ground as well. So I'll I'd be holding for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Cooper Hamilton? So on the bubble this week, scored 55 last week. I think he scored 69 the week before. Um, if I... Hang on, I've only got the penders up. Hang on. Um, if, 
Yeah, so he scored, yeah, so uh, what was it? Uh, 68. So 68 55. Um, he's 102,000 midfielder forward. Um, if you had the choice between, say, Rioli Jr., Carroll, and Cooper Hamilton, which are probably the three players I think most people will look at bringing in this week, um, where would you sort of rank the three of them in terms of which ones to bring in? If. Carroll is playing with Hewitt in the team. I'd be having Carroll at number one because he was getting some centre bounce attendances. And if Hewitt's not named, I'd probably then be leaning towards Rioli given he's scoring the last two weeks. And Hamilton at number three. He's a pretty good option as a 102k player, but I'm not sure how much longer he gets in the team because it's a pretty strong outfit. Although they have been losing, but it's Liam Cameron, so I don't really trust it. Yeah, and Cameron is known for pulling the rough of super coach players. Um, moving on to Geelong, Whitebeard to, <coughs> sorry, um, Whitebeard to Tom Stewart. Um, scored 187 last week, um, and I think everyone jumped on him at 607k, which I think I was quite surprised by that, given that I thought there were much better options. Um, he's probably burnt all of those that brought him in last week. Only scored 74. Um, I think his break-evens back up sort of in the 110 mark, which is probably not ideal. No, in fact, it's 94. Um, what do you think about Tom Stewart? Do you think that was just a game that didn't suit him? Or, yeah, what, what do you think about Tom Stewart? Yeah, it was just one of those unlucky games where he gave away a few costly free kicks the ball maybe wasn't down there as much. And that sort of held him back a bit, I suppose. Um, he still had plenty of the ball with 23 touches. He just wasn't as efficient and effective with it. So no cause for concern. But if you're a non-owner, you're probably a bit relieved given the fact that you'll be able to get him at at, at his starting price as 570 um, after his buy. Yeah, and obviously, um, just going back to the Giants here, um, Braden Proust just keeps scoring. So I think it definitely, I think if you've got him, um, I think that's probably one of the trades of the year so far, especially if you, say, got rid of a Grundy or, um, or someone like that for him. I think that's probably a trade of the year so far. Um, moving on to Saturday night, this was a bit of a surprise game, this one, um, with... <coughs> sorry. Um, with Essendon turning around a pretty much a five-goal deficit to win by five goals. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about Darcy Parrish. So this is someone who I think you've got in your side. You've had him in since round one. Um, scored 139, which I think is sort of the Parrish that we know and love. Um, I did notice that... Um, a lot of the commentators were quite happy that Essendon seemed to be moving the ball forward a bit quicker. Like, they weren't going sideways. Um, if they play like this, do you think Parrish all of a sudden becomes a option um, in your midfield? Yeah, I think he's saw an interesting start today. He's actually the highest possession getter out of all AFL players. So... He loves to touch the ball. Ideally, he um, is a bit more effective and has 
more of a kick to handle ratio, but he's quite consistent. The last five weeks, he hasn't gone under 110. Merritt's return helps him, I think, because they share the ball a lot. And I think his tackle numbers have been down this year, but last week he had seven tackles. So if he can keep that aggression up and if Essendon can start to slowly string together some wins, he's going to average at least 115 for the rest of the year. So he's certainly in top eight contention and I couldn't argue against you if you were to bring him in this week because, yeah, he's got the ceiling and his floor isn't too bad either. He's, I think his lowest score is 97. So when you're picking yeah. up a player who's, who's not receiving a heap of attention, he's getting a lot of the ball, who's gone over 110 the last five weeks, you can't really complain. He's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about him too, he's only in 8% of sides. So he's a little bit of a point of difference in that midfield for for your sides as well. Um, what about Nick Munn? So he, as we said earlier, he wasn't even on the list in January. And now he's probably been Essendon's, just about Essendon's, Best players so far this season outside of maybe Parrish and Peter Wright. Um, what are you considering doing with Nick, Nick Martin? Are you actually even considering keeping him as a keeper at this stage, given how well he's scoring? Well, what are you going to do with him? I think he's scoring that well that you don't have to worry for about him for the time being. He obviously, this is his first year, so I'm not sure he keeps the momentum going the whole year, but... He's one you rise through the buys and then assess if his scoring has slightly dipped or not. And if it hasn't, great, you hold on to him. And if it has a bit, that's fine as well. He's made so much money that you can then almost sideways him to a fallen premium. So I think he's he's one where you just enjoy the, the ride. He's been such a great rookie, probably the best rookie of the year, actually. So sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go along with that too. Obviously, I've picked him up and, yeah, he's just... Ever since that first game when I think he had 30-27 and kicked five goals or whatever it was, um, I think Essendon have got a seriously good player on their hands here. Um, just trying to think. Uh, what about uh, Jai Caldwell, um, who's sort of a bit of an awkward price. I think he's sort of around the 350k mark. Uh, no, 386. Um, what what are we doing with Jai Caldwell? Because I know I think you're an owner of him, um, Jones. What are you doing with Caldwell? It's a tough question because he almost turned the corner in the sense that he was getting a few more centre bounces, kicked the goal, but he's still only getting the 20 touches, so I'm not too afraid to get rid of him at the moment. He's got a lowish break even in the 60s, so you can certainly hold. Um, I certainly did this week because he had the favourable matchup and he delivered. But, yeah, if you're throwing up between trading out Caldwell and Butters, I'd rather go in hindsight and having a, another look at it. Initially, Butters was out as a rage trade, but he still has top six potential. And he's coming up against North Melbourne, whereas Caldwell, whilst he might get forward status in round 12, I don't want to bank on that, and I don't think he's a top six forward either. So I think he's one you can start to move on. Yeah, and uh, what about, I'm just moving over to the Hawthorne now, what 
about James Sicily. So I know a lot of people had question marks about him at the start of the year, um, but he has just been sensational for those of us who took the punt on him. Um, is it too late to get him in, given that right now I think he's currently the second highest scoring defender? I think only Sam Dockett is ahead of him um, for total points. Um, what would you do if you didn't have Sicily, given he's 565, essentially 570,000? Um, his break even, I think, is in the below 100, just 84. Um, what would you do if you were sort of tossing up between one of these? more expensive defenders. Well, do you think Sicily's your go, or do you think he's a bit too much now? I think you've almost missed the boat on him because so many people have gotten him at a cheaper price that I'd rather now just bet against Sicily continuing this form and getting in someone else. A fair few other good defenders if you're hunting for someone at around that price. You can even pick Brayshaw in the midfield at the same price, and I know who I'd be backing to score more given the role for the rest of the year. So he's one where he's scoring amazing, but I think you're almost chasing points in the sense that he's gone up in price 120K, and I don't think he's going to keep this exact average up. So you can certainly do worse, but I think it's like the Stewart situation of last week where you're picking him, and if he pumps out a 75, 80, he's going to fall a fair bit in price, and then... It's a failed trade-in. Yep. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I started with Sicily. Um, so I'm glad that I started with him in hindsight. I probably picked him ahead of George Hewitt, um, which, I mean, I think Hewitt's been good, but obviously he hasn't played the last couple of weeks, which I think hurt a lot of people. Um, what about um, Dylan Moore. So uh, we've spoken about this guy a few times on our podcast um, as being a top six forward. He only got 72 on the weekend. And I think, to be honest, I think you might have put the mods on him last week here, Jonas, because I think you sort of went after him a bit last week. Um, is this vindication or do you think this is just an off game? Uh, yeah, I think it's slightly off game. He only had a few contested possessions. I think he'll bounce back. But as I was saying, he's like a small forward who's pinching hitting in the mid. That's not sustainable for a top six player. So um, it's sort of you sort of get what you deserve in in that sense if you picked him up because you can't not expect a, a poor score or two because of the role he really plays. To be honest, so yeah, one way you'd just pass, and if you rolled the dice and get him in and brought him in, you pray that he reignites that form that. He had in the first quarter of the season. Yep, I think that's probably pretty good. What about um, Josh Warden and Conor McDonald? So two rookies who probably most of us have, have had at some stage. Um, if you still got these guys, um, what would you be doing with them? Would you be looking at um, keeping them, or do you think their time's up in, in our sides? If you can use them in your trade plans to get up to a premium, I wouldn't be afraid to trade them out because neither of them has shown any form of real ceiling. But in saying that, they've got decent job security. McDonald will probably be managed this week. And whilst that's good in the sense that he provides a loophole, he's playing in the second game, so it means you can only loop players in the Collingwood Bulldogs game. So unless you've got a McRae 
or Tim English or the like. Dunkley. Dunkley, yeah. You could look at that. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'd be trading them out. If and part if they're in part of your your um if they if they're your pathway to a good premium. And what what about Tom Mitchell? So only forty points. He's only have fourteen disposals. This guy was a six hundred k plus midfielder at the start of the year. Um, he's now only five hundred twenty odd k. I think five hundred twenty six k. Um, if break even is 189, so he's going to fall below 500k after this week. Um, what, what's happened to him? Like he's so consistent the last few seasons, and this season he's just fallen off a cliff. So what, what do we think about Tom Mitchell? Can he turn it around? Um, and if he can turn it around, would is he someone who you would go near? Or is he just a hard, very, very hard pass? Oh, he's a hard pass given his role. He's playing too much forward time. Mitchell's giving Sam Mitchell is giving the younger players a bit more mid time, and with that, I think Mitchell just becomes a, an invalid option purely because of his role. So he, he'll be taking up a precious mid spot, and if you're scoring 40, I don't I don't care if he goes 100 plus next week and is a good price. I don't want to be picking midfielders in my top eight who have the floor that Tom Mitchell has shown this year, so hard pass. I will say he did do this last year, actually. He sort of had a bit of a quiet start. He had some he had some low score. He had a sort of a 70 and 80. And then after the bye, he didn't score below 100 for the rest of the season. So he does seem like, even in his brand low year, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to defend him here, um, but even in, in his brand low year, he had three scores below 100 before his buy, and then after his buy, um, he only had one score below 100 after his buy. So he is a slow starter, but yeah, I think he's fallen too far down the pecking order to probably be considered. But if he can turn it around, he's a very good price um, for us. So moving on to the Brisbane West Coast game, which I think wasn't as much of a massacre as some people were perhaps saying. Um, so Dane Zorko and Lockie Neal, I want to talk to you about um, Dane Zorko. So uh, defensive midfield, I think he's at a good price this week. I think he's about 522. Um, if you were perhaps scratching around for someone in your back line um, who's perhaps a little bit cheaper than these, say, um, um, Bailey Dales or um, Sicilies or Doherty's, is he a potential option given that his role, he seems to be playing more in the front half um, now that um, Coleman's back in that side? What, what do you think about Zorko? Um, obviously proven scorer. What, what do you think about him? Oh, I don't know. He has ongoing Achilles problems and he's only a year older. Is one where I'd avoid if you can, but if you're looking for a point of difference and say you're in the top 1,000 and you need someone to give you a quick, high, short-term benefit, he'll probably provide that. But in saying that, at any stage, he could get managed or rested or injure himself and cost you your rank. So... It's one of those things where do you want to take that risk and potentially enjoy the short-term reward because I don't think you'll keep it up for the whole year in that role or 
would you rather play it a bit safer and get in someone who's shown um, no durability issues and will probably maintain their sort of form of scoring? And I'd rather lean to the safer route with this one. Rather go, if I'm going to go risky, I'd rather do it with someone like Sean Darcy who can score 180 in a given week and com- completely pulverise non-owners. So I don't think Zorko will be doing that. So I'm not... No, and he did, and let's not forget, he did have a 26 in round one. I'm not sure if that was injury affected or not. But um, I think for those of you who started with him, I think that's probably going to live long in the memory bank. Um, what about Cam Rayner? Um, so obviously I think he was touted as being a bit of a potential sort of cheaper or maybe a bit more expensive rookie in the forward line. Um, his season's been really good from a Brisbane perspective, but from a super coach perspective, he hasn't actually translated into that scoring. Um, what do you, what would you do if you had Cam Rainer given he's sort of at an awkward price and... Yeah, he, he seems to be in games but not scoring if super coach wise. If you have him if you still have him, I'd be surprised given how poor he's been. And I don't think I see that changing anytime soon. He might improve a bit as the year goes on and he gets more games under his belt. But he's not gonna be a premium and if you're looking for a premium this week, which you should be, he's definitely a good avenue to to do that because He's, yeah, he's shown no real glimpses of any sort of scoring ability this year, so I'd be trading him out. Yeah, and obviously what about um, Hugh McCluggy? So high score in the game, 154. Um, do you think he's a option in the midfield or do you think he's a bit too inconsistent? I don't see him being top eight. He's... He beat up on a, on a West Coast Eagles outfit. So I I wouldn't be going there. It's a bit like point chasing once again because West Coast is such a weak team. Um, he's certainly very classy and a smooth player and he had a good start to last year, but he fell, fell off the cliff in the second half of the year. So he's got his question marks again. So definitely not a top eight mid, so I wouldn't be going there. And obviously, we're not going to touch on Lockie Neal because he's just obliterating everyone. I think he's probably just about. Uh, so I think he's probably just about the favourite in the brown line at the minute, if he's not already the favourite. Um, yeah. We'll jump across to West Coast. So um, Shannon Hearn um, turned the clock back, back a bit with his 129. Um, I think mean, this is probably a very easy. A pass if you're considering him given his age and I think he's probably going to get rested at some points. Is that probably a similar line you're thinking of? Yeah, don't go Hearn. Don't pick McGovern. Florenka could be a good option, but he's a top-up player and isn't even in the Supercoach system, so unfortunately we can't pick him at the moment. And that's about all when it comes to relevancy with the West Coast lists. Yeah, I think that's the same thing. So um, obviously, they're just so heavily destroyed by COVID and injury at the minute. Um, moving on to the Melbourne St Kilda game. Obviously, um, I was very disappointed with St Kilda. I had them as a bit of a 
smoky um, in this game. And they let everyone down who backed them in. Um, but I think it just shows how good Melbourne are. Um, and I want to talk to you about Oliver Langdon and Petrarca. And maybe I might throw Brayshaw as well. So pretty much for the top five scorers, um, is there any stopping these guys? And could we potentially have all four of these guys in our sides at some point? And obviously, if you've got Max Gord, um, well, what do you think about the four of them? I know I have one of them. I've got Oliver. Um, but could you potentially make a case to have all four of them at some point later in the season? Um, definitely not Langdon. He's mid mid only. And he's not going to even be a top 20 pick, so you're wasting your time there. Brayshaw is defender mid-eligible, so yep. that's slightly more tempting. But if you look at his scoring, he's already gone under 105 times this year and has been sort of carried by his 176 in round three against Essendon. So once again, probably not someone I'd look at getting in but probably a better option than Langdon. Petrarca, not a top eight mid, probably closer to top 10, given the fact that he his disposal efficiency is quite ordinary. Like, he has 36 touches, hits the scoreboard twice, and barely scrapes 100. That sort of shows why he's probably not the best option. Oliver is... A standout option, but you should have probably picked him up at 620 when you had the opportunity. You can still probably get him, um, but he's one where you're not getting any value off at the moment. So I think that's the only one I really want to end my team with. But Petrarca's got a high ceiling, as we know, and he's at a decent price. So I'd potentially entertain that pick, but I wouldn't be expecting him to be a top line midfielder come end of the year given the fact that after his first few weeks, he hasn't really scored too impressively. So, yeah, probably passing all those. And then on the Melbourne side with the Ruckman, I think Gorn is a slight concern given the fact he got a bit injured, but he's touch and go for this week, which makes zero sense. Like, just rule him out already because he's playing West Coast. You don't even need him up there to travel to Perth if he's got any sort of injury concern. So I think Melbourne will probably rest him, um, which may mean more rough time for Luke Jackson. And Gordon... What about the captaincy on him? If, if, if Gordon's <laughs> not sick, what would you consider chucking the captaincy on Luke Jackson given he's going to be playing, I don't know what he's playing, his 20th game, he's probably going to be rucking against a Stranatica or someone like that. Um, or could you consider cup, chucking a captaincy on him and hope he does a grand final and pulls out like a 150 game? Certainly an option, but I think I'd be happy with a 150 and him not being my captain. That would be enough for me. I don't want to run the risk. Captaining a player who scored a 55 in 80% of um, a game, so probably not. But hopefully for my sake, go on. This is this week. Yeah, oh. and obviously I was one of the smart ones who did get Oliver when he was 618k. Um, I've enjoyed his score in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's definitely a win, win trade there. 
Uh, moving across to St Kilda, so Jack Sinclair, which is a guy that I know Thomas, obviously our St Kilda expert, he's not here tonight, um, but I know he's been really big on Jack Sinclair and his role was has been really good this year, um, but only got 83 on the weekend, um, which is a bit down on where he has been. Um, what, what Do you still think Jack Sinclair is a good option to get in um, or, or have you got some question marks now about him? I've got a few question marks about him. I don't know why he's scoring so poorly. I haven't been paying too much attention to St Kilda, but given the fact he's got the first buy, you you wait on him, see see what his role and how his scoring progresses, and go accordingly. But I wouldn't be trading in any players over the round twelve by now because they're going to be yeah. missed soon. So. so is this Jack Steele as well? So if you haven't got Jack Steele, obviously only scored 75, um, which was um, yeah. probably more reflective of how dominant Melbourne were. Um, so is he in the same boat now as Sinclair? You just wait on him given he's probably going to start falling in price? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's got a high break even and the poor buy. So he's a perfect trading target for round 13. Yeah, he's a 175 break even this week, so um, he's probably going to fall below 500k. I mean, below 600k. In fact, he's projected to be at 598 after round 10, um, which probably isn't ideal given it's just before his buy. Um, but if he, I'll, I'll throw this question to you. So if Jack Steele says at 595, his break evens say in the 80s. Um, would you consider bringing him in at that price, given he's got a buy in two weeks, or would you just pay the extra and just wait for his buy? Pay the extra and wait for the buy, given the fact that a lot of people will be struggling in that round 12 buy with a ton of defenders missing. So I think, yeah, I'd be waiting. Um, so moving on to the last game. So we've got... Um, I, well, I, we won't touch on Patrick Cripps because he's just about the best player alongside Lockie Neal in the comp at the minute. Um, so Charlie Kerno, so 149 on the weekend, six goals three, probably should have kicked seven or eight. I think he missed a couple of real sitters. Um, obviously started off the year at like in the low 200,000 mark, 224K. Um, been a really good starting player if you did go down that path. Um, what do you think about Kuno as being a keeper? Um, or do you think he's someone you got to look at getting rid of sort of soonish? If you have him still, well done. He's definitely not a keeper, but I'd be riding that 149 easy break-even system for the next two to three weeks. Break-even's one. Yeah, so just keep, keep him in your side. Let him make another 50 or so K and then trade him out because he's not going to be scoring 100 each week. So, And what about Sam Doherty? Um, just keeps getting the job done. Another 115, um, 30 disposals. Um, is he starting to cement himself as being the number one defender this season? Um, or do you think that there's potentially someone else who might lay claim to that number one spot? On average, he certainly probably will. But with a lack of pre-season, is that scoring going to dip? Potentially. And I'd rather be picking 
a Stewart when he falls in price, just given the consistency. Um, certainly not a bad option, but once again, you're not trading him in this week because he's got the round 12 buy, so rules yeah. him immediately. And what about Jack Carroll? Um, which I've, we've already spoken about him, but is he going to make his way into your side this week, or have you already got him, Jonas? Yeah, I've already got him. I think he's a pretty solid option. Bit scared about Hewitt because he sort of took Hewitt's role, had a few CBAs, but he looked pretty good given the uh, poor start he had to the game. I'm just glad he scored well enough to possibly hold his spot. I think he should, um, with Jack Martin injured as well. So I think he's a good option. I'd probably still have Rioli above him, given the fact that I don't think there are too many people vying for his spot, and he's got two good scores already under his belt. But if you're looking for two downgrade options, you can certainly do worse than Carroll. I think the only problem I've got with Carroll is I'm just worried they might give him the best, like the substitute best one game. Um, Because he's probably that type of player who probably could do well with the best gear and he's a younger kid he's probably got a lot of energy um so if they need a spark he might be someone to do that um moving on to adelaide i'm very very disappointed to say that jordan dawson is at the top uh, your love child here jonas 134 um somehow he got a goal on the weekend um have we said enough about dawson what what do you think about someone who's potentially looking at him what do you would you be going down that path, or do you think you've learnt your lesson and perhaps be more consistent defender? With Hinge coming into the side, it sort of helped Dawson play a bit higher up the ground and closer to the stoppages and the wings and get a bit more of the ball. And if that role persists, persists at his price of around 520k with a favourable buy, I think he's... A very, very good option. Maybe not top six, but definitely top 10. And at 520k, as I said, I think that's definitely good value. He, yeah. he, he takes marks. He's, a, he's a, obviously an excellent kick. The, the Adelaide Elite teammates, kick. they look for him. Um, he gets a few kick-ins as well. So he has a lot of avenues to scoring. And he's also just a fun player to watch. So I think there are a lot of benefits to to Dawson and probably one of the the uh, best defenders you can trade in this work. Given yeah, his... I think he's had a good price. What about Ben Keyes? A um, bit of a point of difference here in the midfield. Um, I know he's someone who I think you've perhaps kept your eye on. What, what do you think about him? He's only scored 100 on the weekend. Um, he's still number eight for points overall. Um, do you think he's an option or have you still got your question marks over his um, disposal? Yeah, he's one of two players alongside Neil who have gone 100-plus in every game. So that's certainly impressive. But, yeah, he's sort of fallen away a tad with his disposal. He's a bit like the Petrarca mold where... He'll get the contested ball, but he won't use it very effectively, and that will sort of cap his scoring a bit. So he's one where he's priced at his fair value. You're not getting any 
any good price off picking him. And for that reason, I wouldn't be going near him. Maybe not. No, that's a bit harsh. I wouldn't be picking him this week because whilst he has a good buy, he's not a guaranteed top eight midfielder. I almost prefer Rory Led. And yeah, that, so those are my reasons as to why I wouldn't be picking keys this week. You can get Brayshaw for 25k cheaper, who I think will outscore him in the long term. We haven't really seen too much history of keys um, scoring very well. So whilst he's a great player and he started the year well, he's probably more closer to that top 10 midfield mark. And so at close to 600k, similar to Boak. You don't want to be paying that much for a player. You're not guaranteed to have top eight output for from the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, uh, well, that's all we've got time for tonight. Um, please keep your eye out for the Q&A, which I think we're going to put out probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I think we're probably going to record that either Wednesday or Thursday. So keep your eye out for that on our Twitter and wherever else um, we post it. Um, otherwise, um, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and uh, we'll see you for the next one. Bye.